Our morning scripture reading is found in the book of Numbers, chapter 21. That's Old Testament. That'll be the fourth book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers, chapter 21. Numbers, chapter 21. While you're turning, I, I don't know if you felt it. I felt it, Brother Eric. Worship is not shouting and running around and it's not speaking in tongues and it's not all the kinds of crazy things. Worship is loving God because he loved you. And for those of you that may have seen the news, one of the universities, a small university in America had, has had something happen and they don't know what it is. And the only thing they can say is a move of God. Some are calling it revival. And what's happening? No healings. No speaking in tongues. People worshiping. It started in a chapel service a little over a week ago, and the chapel service is not finished yet. It's going 24 hours a day, and people are coming from all over the United States and just coming in and just worshiping. God wants to move in the midst of his people, not for mighty signs and wonders, but to stir our hearts, because if we love Jesus... Those without Jesus will say, I don't know what you have, but I want that. I want him. And so as you worship this morning, let God work and speak in your heart. Numbers chapter 21, I'm just going to read verses 5 through 9. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, Oh, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass, that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Thank the Lord for the truth of his word. He is more precious than gold. I thank God for his goodness, his love, his mercy. I thank God for all he has done for you and I up to this point of time. It's a privilege to, privilege and honor always to stand in my pastor's pulpit and to preach to you. I think it is safe for me to say this while he's not here. Pastor Matt is a gifted, faithful Bible expositor. And that is something uh, in many of his graces that I want to be like. Many of the things that he does, I want to be like my pastor. And I try to emulate that. And I think I know where that comes from. 
He comes from his beautiful mom and dad, mother. So gracious and kind and compassionate. Since 2015, 2016, this is my 35th sermon to preach to Cardinal City Baptist Church. And it has been a privilege. You have been patient with me as I have evolved in the ministry of preaching the word. And here I am in front of you for the 35th time. God has been good. As I have studied this message to preach, I have been burdened by several things that mostly have been of pastoral care nature. And all throughout the weeks, for the past month, things in my life and things that associated with ministry and friendship with Pastor and Papa John and many of you have all pointed to this one thing, pastoral care. How that me as an elder should care for you. And that has been a burden. We as a church have seen the grace of God exemplified in our pastor's life in so many ways. Pastor has been there in your downtime. Pastor has been there caring for you when your heart was broken. Pastor has been there holding your hand when you were crying. And many of us have that picture and story in our minds and hearts of how compassionate our pastor is. And there's so many things that our pastor and his dear wife have done that are unseen and unheard, but are compassionate to those to whom they have shared their life with. And we are all here this morning. We have witnessed that. In my brokenness, when I rushed my mom to the emergency room in Paradise Hospital, and she laid there, and me and my wife and my siblings stood around her, hoping, praying, The sound of the heart rate machine was just going beep, beep, beep. And then it went, beep. There was a long beep. Our hearts broke. Our hearts sank. We, we were broken. Just mom is there, and she just passed. My wife held me, my brothers and sisters beside me. We all were weeping because mom has just died. We were broken. Questions arose in our hearts as human. Father, I've prayed. I have prayed. I have been faithful. I asked. I did ask. My mom's dead. 
And all through that time, my pastor was holding my hand in the hospital, right there, while I was crying. He was there. His wife holding my wife while we were crying, right there. So many of us have stories like that. Pastor preached my mom's funeral. Pastor went to my village and buried my mom here in Butterfield. Such care, such compassion, such love. I say this not to lift my pastor. I say this because this is who God is. And that's what God does. And it's been exemplified in the life of a man who is surrendered to God. God, in fact, in fact commands us to love one another. Especially those of the household of faith, you and I. Jesus said it this way, it is by this mark that they shall know you are my disciple. By this mark. It is by loving you, you're loving each other, by that mark that those who don't know Christ will know that you are his disciple. By your love one for another. Please open your Bibles with me this morning to John chapter 3. We'll read from verse 14 to verse 18. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. Verse 14 reads, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. The most verse that is memorized, the most verse, when you ask everyone in this world, anyone that you, you're going to ask, what verse in the Bible is the best verse or your favorite verse, they will say John 3.16. And anyone in this room can quote John 3.16. That is the verse and the passage that we've read. But this morning, I want to invite you, if you will, if you may, 
how much more? And let us, let us look again at Judges 16. Let us deal with again, maybe at a different angle. This scripture is a scripture that is that comes out of the mouth of Christ himself, from God himself, telling us what he has done for us. All scripture, I know, is given by the inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture, all scripture. But John 3.16 is central. It's central in that from, Revel from Genesis to Revelation, the thoughts in there passes by John 3.16. Yes, it could have been a Sunday school verse. Let's have a look at it again. See, the Greek word used here when the Bible says, for God so loved is agapao, a love that is universal, love for humanity, love for that which he created. I want to speak to you this morning on the compassion of God, the compassion of God. See, agapao, the love that is here, is for everyone, the creation of God. But in this passage, in verse 14, Jesus points us to a story in the Old Testament. Numbers 21. A story we've read. Jesus said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, even so, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up. For God, so, like the Old Testament, for God, so, like Numbers 21, for God, so, like the story you read in Numbers, like that, God sent his Son into the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Agapao. Verse 14 connects us with an Old Testament story that portrays the compassion of God. There are five points we're going to look at this morning and we'll be done. God's compassion declared. God's compassion dispensed. God's compassion displayed. God's compassion dedicated. And my response to God's compassion. God's compassion is declared. The New Testament uses the word agapao, agape. Love. In 1 John 4, verse 8, the last part of the verse, it says, and the Bible declares, God is love. 
God is love. Not love is God. No, no, no. God is love. That means that love is who God is. That means that love is what God is. He is love. It's been declared God is love. And the story in Numbers 21 doesn't mention God's love for Israel, but it does declare by the deed of the kind of heart God has toward the chosen people. The word so describes the kind of love that God has declared to the world. For God so, just like that, loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse, just four verses in Numbers 21, and it speaks of the Israelites sinning against God, God's wrath upon them, their cry to God, God making a way for them, and the safety and salvation purely based upon them believing in the instruction that God gave. As I observed this passage in John 3 and Numbers 21, something took my attention. It was the, uh, the compassion of God. The compassion of God. What is compassion? What is compassion? Great question. This is what the dictionary says. It is a feeling of deep sympathy or sorrow for another who has been stricken by misfortune. And that sympathy and sorrow is accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the person that is suffering. Talk to me also. This pastor in a Belburuk, he got on another plan on one and he got big plan heavy. Now two, this plan, worry on halving one plan, another plan, so that Emmy can sit down good. Jesus tells Nicodemus, the truth that I am about to tell you and to declare to you is the deed of God and his heart to you. Compassion. The word is first mentioned. The word compassion is first mentioned in Deuteronomy 13, verse 17, and the Bible reads, that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show thee mercy and have compassion upon thee and multiply thee as he had sworn unto thy fathers. God's compassion did not start when the word was first found in the Bible. Wait. God's compassion... Is the word, the Hebrew word, rakum. The Hebrew word is rakum. It means compassion. See, love is a vital part. Yes, it's part of that word, compassion. Love is a vital component to compassion, but it in itself is not all there is what God is. 
Compassion is deeper and carries with it the idea that only God can dispense compassion. Someone has to give up everything for you. That's compassion. Someone has to give up everything for you. That's compassion. We as a human being cannot be compassionate unless we are connected to the one who is compassionate. The Old Testament word for love is ahava, which is love, which is usually the response from a human to God or to one another. But when God wants to dispense his love, he uses rahum, compassion, more than what humans can give. 1 John 4 verse 8 declares, God is love. And that idea is directly tied to John 3 16 and directly tied to the Old Testament and directly tied to God's compassion. God is love. Let's bring more light to this. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. They're all consonants, no vowels. In the Hebrew alphabet, every letter has a word picture assigned to it. Literally, the picture that is assigned to that name of the letter is the word itself. The first letter of the alphabet is Aleph. Papa John is more good at Hebrew than I am. Aleph is the first letter. It's like our A. And the, the scribbled picture that is associated with Aleph is an ox head. What does Aleph mean? An ox head. Okay? The word rakum, which we define compassion, is translated in the Old Testament as resh chat mem. Three letters make the word rakum. And it looks like this. Resh, chat, and mem. Three letters. And you put those three letters together, it brings the word rakum. Compassion. Hold that thought there. Hold that thought. We're going to go back to it. John 17 verse 24. Jesus is saying, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. God, Christ, the relationship before the world ever began. God's compassion is declared by his divine act in creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. 
And the Spirit of God did what? Moved upon the face of the waters. What was God's Spirit doing upon the face of the waters? Without getting into any of the theological issues that are, that are related to Genesis 1 and 2 and what happened in the middle, the fact is before us and it's indisputable that just after God created, his Holy Spirit moved upon the face of the waters as a mother hen would take care of the chicks. God was creating his creation. He was, he was having compassion over what he just created. See, at some point, Lucifer rebelled against God and was cast down to the earth and became devil, Satan, the deceiver. Lucifer, deceiver. Connect that. God, the Holy Spirit, hovered upon the face of the chaotic waters to protect his creation. Keep that in mind. Genesis 43, verse 14. Some uses of this word and its associations. And God Almighty gave you mercy before the man, Jacob speaking. He's about to give Benjamin, his last son, to go with the brothers to Joseph in Egypt. And Benjamin is, uh, Joseph is saying, Jacob is saying, if I be bereaved, of my children, I am bereaved. Rakum, compassion. Genesis 43, verse 29. And he lifted up his eyes and saw his brothers, that's Joseph. His brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and, and, and he said, this is my brother. God be gracious unto thee, my son. And Joseph made haste for his bowels did yearn upon his brother. And he went and he sought a place to weep. And he entered in the chamber and he wept there. Rakum, compassion. First Kings 3, verse 26. We see the wisdom of Solomon. We see two ladies bringing a baby. They gave birth last night. One's baby died. One was sleeping with the baby. The other one came. Got the dead baby, put it on the live one, and got the live one and ran away. The next day, this one said, you got my baby, and they are arguing. So they bring the matter to Solomon. And Solomon says, give me a knife. I will cut it and just divide it. You get half, you get half. That's the wisdom of Solomon. And the woman who gave birth to the child said this. It's okay. That is fine. You can give it to her. Let her take care of the child. Why? Compassion. Rakum. She gave it out of that heart. For her bowels yearned upon her, her son. And she said, oh my Lord, give her the living child. In no way slay it. But the other one said, oh, let's just divide it and you get half and I get half. 
compassion. When compassion wells in your heart, your entire being is moved to respond to that one emotion. It will bring tears to your eyes, and it will naturally push you into an immediate action to resolve the matter that is before you. See, because of Adam's inability to save himself, God had to make provisions for him and his entire race to be saved. That is God's compassion. God had a right. God had the right, the, the sovereign creator's right to destroy Adam and to create the earth anew. He had the right. But God was compassionate. Rakum, God was compassionate. See, his compassionate ways is seen when Adam sinned against him. And God came in the garden. And God said, Adam, where art thou? Adam, where art thou? We may have heard these words of God so many times. But I want you to hear these words in the tone of compassion. God created Adam in his image, in his likeness, and God breathed into his nostril, and he sinned against the very one that created him. God could have squashed him, but God showed compassion. And in that moment when God came looking for Adam, God said, Adam, where are you? Was it because God was blind that God didn't see Adam? No. God knew where Adam was. God wanted a response from Adam. God wanted Adam to admit he had sinned against his holiness. See, not only that, we see God's compassion dispensed in this world. Adam sinned and death passed upon all men. The blood of Adam was tainted by sin. His offsprings would be like him, sinners. But in God's compassion, he didn't annihilate Adam and Eve, but he allowed them to have children. Adam was the crown of God's creation. God had compassion on his son, Adam. His compassion upon Adam was so great. At the fall of man, God made a compassionate promise in Genesis 3 and verse 15 that he would send a Messiah to make all things right that Adam did wrong. God began the process of purifying a pathway for the Messiah. Man who walked after Cain became exceedingly wicked and it grieved God, Genesis 6 and verse 6, and it repented the Lord that he had made man in the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Rakum. 
God's compassion moved him. He had to purify the way for the Messiah. He sent the flood to destroy the earth and saved eight souls. Noah, his wife, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and their wives. And the promise of the Messiah was kept alive. From Adam to the entire world, funneled through Noah, through to Abraham, God renewed his promises and made new promises. With Abraham, and he kept purifying the line for the Messiah to come. From Jacob and the 12 tribes, he purified to one, the tribe of Judah, and to the house of David. The Messiah had to be pure and not tainted by the sinful nature that is Adam. He had to be pure. Isaiah 7:14 reads, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1:23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring for a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Yes, my friend, the God of creation, full of mercy and compassion, sent his son through a lineage, through a virgin birth. A girl who has never had sex with a man before. She was pure. God placed his seed in the pureness because his son shouldn't be tainted with sin. The blood of Adam. Yeshua Hamashiach, or Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, from God was sent into the world to redeem mankind from sin and death, from the condemnation and the wrath of the Holy God. And as the shepherds came and they worshipped the baby in the manger, they were beholding the compassion of God. They were beholding the very heart of God, the heart that God loved the world in human form. Now, I asked you previously to hold on to the thought of the Hebrew word rakum. Let's go back to that. The word rakum is translated compassion in the Old Testament. And it is spelled with the three letters, race, chat, and mem. Race, chat, and mem. Three letters, put them together, they, they, are, they are the word rakum. And the word is compassion. In the ancient Hebrew writing the letters, Reish, is head of a prince. The letter Mem is flood waters, chaos and destruction. When you put these two letters together, Reish and Mem, it makes the word Rame. Rame. And Rame means deceiver. Rame means deceiver. Now, this automatically tells us that the head in Reish 
It's a evil character. He is the evil prince. Now we have race and we have men. But Chet means a fenced wall, a inner sanctuary, a protection, a safety, a security. It's a fence. So when race and man or the destruction of the prince of the power of the air in this world was dispensed to this earth by Adam's sin, God sent his son infused between those two letters. A fenced wall of protection. So when chat is infused between race and man, we have the letters race, chat, man, which makes the word Yaakov. Very interesting when you look at the Hebrew letters and the pictures that they bring out. This is not mine. I got this from a star. So between the destruction and the chaos caused by the greatest enemy of mankind, the devil, Satan, the deceiver, the prince of the power of the air, the wicked one, God infused his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the Messiah. Yes, God's gift to take away the wrath of God. Gift of God in Christ is eternal life. God's compassion. Not only that, God's compassion is displayed. He gave his only begotten son. In giving his son, God displayed his compassion. The Bible is very clear when it says, God gave his son. God gave only son. God gave begotten son. God gave all his heart to humanity. We have seen the son is described in three ways. God gave his son ownership of belonging. His only son is the intimate relationship. His begotten son, the same bloodline or DNA of God himself. God says, I'm giving myself to you. God gave what was dear to his heart, so in doing so, he would have many sons and daughters that are dear to himself. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Rakum, compassion. Yahweh Rakum has come in the flesh to humanity. God's compassion is now become flesh. God's compassion is now funneled into his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah of whole. It is the only him, Jesus Christ, that man can find eternal life and have peace with God. Christ only. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The way to God is Jesus himself. He's the way to God. 
The Bible speaks plainly that the way to God is Christ himself. Look at John 3, 16. Did it say, makes you baptized to go to heaven? It doesn't say that. Look at, the, look at the Bible. Did it say you take the communion or the sacraments? It doesn't say that. They don't represent the compassion of God. They are not raccoon. Did it say the Sabbath? It doesn't say that. He didn't believe that only the Son has life. That's a fact. That is a fact. The only way to God is through his Son, Jesus Christ. John 1, verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Have you been born again? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Jesus exemplified God's love and compassion because he was the express image of the Father. Hebrews 1 verse 3 talks about it. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus showed compassion. Matthew 9, 36. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad like sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 14 verse 14. And when Jesus went forth and when he saw the great multitude, he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. Mark 6 verse 34, and Jesus, when he had saw much people, he was moved with compassion towards them because they were as a sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Luke chapter 7 verse 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, weep not. Matthew 11, 28 and 30, come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls. Are you here this morning troubled? Are you here this morning broken? Are you here this morning sorrowful? Are you here this morning just, life is just too hard for you? My friend, Yehovah Rakum is there for you. Christ is there for you. He said, come unto me. Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden. Jesus displayed his love and compassion to the outcast of society, to the wounded hearts, to the broken souls, to the broken life. He healed and mended broken lives that are broken by sin and Satan. I see widows come to him. I see the destitute come to him. I see the sin broken life of prostitute come to him and be healed. I see broken hearts of a tax collector come to him. Oh, I see the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years struggled towards him for healing. And she was healed. Yehovah Rakum. Isaiah 42, verse 3, a bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flux shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment and truth. Habdiwai Burk again, 
Ei nu ne-am cam de bunchi mogera. Fai like, they like dying again. Stop my embas. Ei nu ne-am cam de capsa de mogera antre again. Das mit Jesus. His compassion. And he's ready for you. He wants to give you his life. He is Yahweh Rapha, the God of all comfort and compassion. When we, when he saw the people weep for Lazarus, that compassion welled out of his heart. Oh, how he cried for his friend and the souls of those people who stood there watching what he would do at that point. Lazarus, Jesus, you are late, you are late, you are four days late. By now he stinks. Jesus crying for Lazarus and crying for those who have unbelief in him. Oh no, he was not late, Martha. He was not late, Mary. Four days, yes, he was four days on time, on purpose. He is Yahweh, Rakum. See, he was on purpose to show them that he is compassionate, And he is the giver of life. I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, what compassion. Oh, what love. I love the song, the love of God is greater far than town or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Could we with ink the ocean fill and where the skies a parchment made, where every stock on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scrolls contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, How rich and pure, how merciless and strong. It, is, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Not only that, God's compassion is dedicated. Whosoever believeth on him. Because God in his compassion has shown from the creation up to this point, That he gave his son, his only begotten son. Why? He said, whosoever, that's you. That whosoever, that's you. That whosoever, that's you. Whosoever believeth in the way that God provided shall have eternal life. So the Bible says, He shall not perish. He shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you believe in Jesus, if you believe that he is the way, the truth, the life, if you believe that he is the one that God sent, he is the compassion of God, you believe that that's the only way to heaven, you will not, be, you will not perish. It's a promise. It's a promise. What does this promise mean? You will not perish. There is a place called hell. A place called hell. A place where the unbelieving will go. See, 
Not only hell is a place that you're going to go to if you're an unbeliever, but death, hell, and the grave at the end will be taken and cast into the lake of fire. That's eternal destination. And those who do not believe in Jesus Christ shall perish. But those who believe in him shall not perish. That's a promise. That is a promise. And here's another promise. He said, but have everlasting life. You know what kind of life that is? That's the life that the first Adam threw away. And that's the life that God wants to give to you this morning. God gave his all to you and me. What is my response to God's compassion? What is my response? How do I respond to God? How do you respond to God? How would you respond to God? God gave his all for you and me. God gave his son. How are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond? Suppose you start right here, you know, being tiny bell. How will you respond to a God who created the whole world, to a God who gave his son for you? What's your response? Christian, this morning, God gave his all for you. God gave his son for you. God was compassionate for you. What's your response? What is your response this morning? How will you respond to God? God's compassionate heart is declared in eternity past to create humanity, to have fellowship with him. Sin was brought into the world by devil Satan and caused chaos and confusion. In his compassion, God promised the Messiah, the redeemer of humankind. Time and time again, God showed his creation, his compassion. Men have seen and experienced this, yet there is something man is missing. So when the fullness of time was come, God sent his son, made for woman, made under the law. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. The divine babe wrapped in a swaddling clothes in a manger was God's he lived and displayed his entire life with compassion because that was his DNA, because that was his make, because that was his divine character. To give out of himself for another. He taught his disciples to love. Not as the world teaches love, but as God teaches about himself, his compassion. He himself was moved with compassion. And on his final hour in the upper room, on the way down to the garden to pray, he taught them about compassion. And he said, a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. This compassionate love is the love that God wants us, his children, to display in our daily lives and to manifest his character in our lives. 
God's compassion, Christ's likeness. How do I respond to this? In salvation, he has been compassionate before it awaits. In sanctification, we live by his compassion. In service, we serve with compassion. See, the compassion of God in our lives will affect the way we walk. The compassion of God in our life will affect the way we talk. The compassion of God in our life will affect the way we think and it will affect the way we care for each other. One another in loving each other is what the church is all about. Having compassion for each other and compassion for those who do not have Christ When I surveyed the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ, my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did there such love and sorrow meet, and thorns compose so rich a crown? Where the whole realm of nature mine, that were an amazing offering far too small, love so amazing, love so divine, divine demands my soul, demands my life, demands my all. God's compassion. Does it keep you this morning? How does it keep you out this morning? May God bless you fully and may his compassion permeate in your life and in mine. And when it does, men all around you will tell that you are compassionate like a God of Let's all bow our heads and pray for this morning. Or let's bow our heads. In closing, I will I will repeat the last again. What is your response? What is the response? God gave. God gave his all. Papa God and give him all the time. Life again. And give him picking again. And give him all the time his cup. Just so you can have that life everlasting. How can you respond to it? Christian. How is your response? What is your response? At one point, we all need to respond. At one point. You either respond to salvation or you either respond to service. You either respond to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and make him become your Lord and Savior 
and you respond to serving him out of all your heart. And that, my friend, is a choice that we need to make this morning. And I'm calling you this morning to make that choice. You like Tony Bell? We talk, me like Tony Bell. You like serving Papa God once I'm going to bell on you and make things right, make things new. He will not quench a fire that's already an ember. He will not break a twig that's already broken. He is compassionate. Come to him. Come to him. And he will give you peace and he will give you eternal life. I'm going to ask Papa John to come. And I want you to please bow your heads as Papa John comes. And Papa John will close up our service this morning. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the compassion that Christ has shown to us in his life, but in his sacrifice on Calvary, in his death for sin and his resurrection to grant eternal life to as many as receive him, to as many as believe in him. They will not perish, God, this eternal life you give, Lord, is free to as many as would receive him. And God, today, if there is someone here who needs that, who's never received that, God, I pray you work in their heart. I pray, God, that you'll open their eyes. And God, Lord, that they would be able this morning to seek one of us out, that we could show them, Lord, from your word, the true path to life. It isn't through a church. It isn't through religion. It is through Christ. And now, Father, we pray, would you go with us this week and help us, Lord, to remember and to think on these things. And even now, as we go to our life group classes, would you bless each class as we review and as we consider the truths we've heard this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.